This is season number 19 of Bass Talk Live with Matt Pangrak. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Aftco, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Pro Guide Batteries, Beatdown Outdoors, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, and Omnia Fishing. Hit him with the hook, Jeffries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. Hope everybody had a great weekend. I had an incredibly busy weekend. Flew up to Minnesota for the uh, St. Jude fundraiser. Uh, and I got to tell you, folks, BTL listeners, the Crappie Chronicles viewers, it was so cool to see the BTL listeners. There were some that drove two and a half, three hours just to get there for the evening. Uh, we raised over four thousand dollars directly to 100 percent of that goes to saint jude uh probably had close to 100 people show up for the event big shout out once again to the btl sponsors uh pro guide batteries sunline afco uh denali and big bite baits uh we sold uh well, we sold over thirty five thirty six hundred dollars in raffle tickets and then the giesenbrauer beer company also matched uh, not matched but a portion of their sales for all their beers went to it too so all in all over four thousand dollars for that event met some great btl listeners and viewers gave away some hats could not have been happier it is weird though it is one of the first times that i've done like the flight in the same day deal so like it feels like you're have been gone longer than you have. I was like driving home yesterday and I was like, whoa, I was here yesterday, but I've been up in Minnesota between then. Also, uh, there's very interesting time in the industry right now. And I'll be very interested to see what happens in the next 48 hours. Uh, we may or may not have a special edition breaking news BTL. Uh, so if you do not have your uh, notifications clicked on YouTube, uh, you can go ahead and click that bell at the top, notifications, and then when BTL goes live, uh, you will know when it goes live with possibly some interesting things. Something that we know is happening that we can talk about is the BPT season is officially underway. Uh, we had the Invitational last week that uh, great live coverage, a lot of big fish catches, tons of seven to eight pound fish weighed in and four father and son teams in the field but now it's time the bpt underway and you know at the beginning of the year and throughout the year we always check in with mlf's joe pogger joe thanks for jumping on btl real quick what's happening matt how are you brother oh i am good just uh just monitoring things that are going down in florida uh and it, i'm gonna be honest with you because between the uh the toyota series and the invitationals and everything that was going on and bfls where 14 pounders are getting caught the bpt season kind of snuck up on me yeah it kind of snuck up on me as well but uh you know late last week we kind of realized oh crap we better get our stuff in gear the anglers are on their <laughs> way down to Kissimmee, and uh yeah practiced over the weekend kicked off this morning 6 30 a.m well 7 30 a.m eastern time 6 30 my time uh, here in Minnesota. Uh, but yeah, we're two hours into the season. Guys are catching fish. Shin's got 18 pounds. Uh, let's get going, baby. All right. Biggest change this year from the, the previous years that started in 2019. Uh, run that down. I'm assuming top of the list, five fish limit. 
Yeah, biggest change is absolutely that five fish scoring change. Uh, of course, Bass Pro Tour typically traditionally had uh, scored every fish counted. Uh, but this year, over the offseason, the anglers voted. We made the move. So now only the anglers' best five each day are getting scored. We're still doing the Major League Fishing Catchway immediate release format. Yep. So there are no you know fish going in the live well or anything, but we're only scoring each guy's top five. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out this season. And I don't know, we're kind of seeing it today. Shin's got five for 18 pounds already. So decent start. But, you know, in Florida, that's not going to hold up. Uh, live coverage, the ways that uh, viewers and listeners of BTL can watch that on uh, the BPT. Very impressed with the live coverage from the Invitational last week. You guys were basically live first to last cast and uh, through the weigh-in. Same thing. Uh, anything new additions, changes into the coverage of the BPT this year? No, not really. I mean, it runs from, you know, 745 a.m. Eastern time to 430 mm -hmm. Eastern time. So basically throughout the entire competition. Uh, you're right. The invitational last week was awesome. I got to see uh, the whole event as well. There were some really great fish catches. Brian Latimer is just a natural on camera. He's so fun oh, yeah. to watch. It's good so, times. Yeah. And with the spinning fun. rod, everyone's like, oh, you, you can't fight those big ones with a spinning rod in that vegetation. <laughs> and he proved everyone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. He had a really great event for us. Got some really big fish. He, I thought he had the big bass on day one, but it ended up not being, but then he did get it on day two. So new personal best for him. So that was a great event, but yeah, like you said, the, uh, not a lot of changes for the Bass Pro Tour broadcast. We still got Marty JT and uh, Chad McKee, and uh, yeah, they're broadcasting right now live through the whole entire event. All right, fantasy fishing-wise, uh, I did get uh, the group set up for everything. I know you're too late for the first one today, but moving forward, you can still enter the next five if you want. The individual prizes, there's great prizes for that, along with the predictor game also. Is it by, sponsored by Bailey's again this year, or Bally's again this Bally's, year? Yeah. Bailey's, I believe, is a delicious liqueur. <laughs> yeah, delicious. Yeah, yeah. Well, ahead of myself there. Love to put that in my coffee. Yeah. yeah. So, no. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fantasy right fishing <laughs> is up and rolling. You're exactly right. Uh, new this year, we've got a feature where uh, a you can just join any public leagues. You don't necessarily need the code. So go find the Bass Talk Live League. Get in there. Uh, I'm you gonna lose to me, of course. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be a good time. And then also. Uh, we have a new feature this year where your teams carry over. So if you happen to forget to set your lineup for an event, it's just going to carry over your team from the previous event. So you won't be necessarily out of the running. You probably won't uh, have as much uh, points as you would have if you would have actually set your lineup. Yeah. But you will still get something and you'll salvage your tournament. You're not going to be out of the running completely this year. So that's pretty cool. There was one year that Bassmaster did a deal where they just gave you the highest percentages if you didn't fill your lineup. And like eight out of the top 10 overall finishers <laughs> never set their lineup. And the, the response was so there was an angry mob outside of Bassmasters going, what the heck? Because all these people who won just auto filled everything. So that I like that in, in the glory days, kind of, of, uh, the, you know, FLW in the late thousands when they first launched fantasy fishing, very similar. Like it would, you could just auto fill your lineup. And so a couple of the top finishers, had just auto filled and uh kind didn't of even know they their way it. into the big prizes but hey wins a win sometimes uh you know that works too i hear you all right anything else uh anything else to keep the eye on there over at uh the mlf the bpt joe uh not that i can really think of you know tournament starts today goes through saturday so we'll be crowning our champion on saturday evening uh from stage one first event of the year on kissimmee 
but then, you know, we're just rolling right into the season. I think Redcrest, I looked this morning, is 23 days away, which made my stomach drop a little bit. Like, holy crap, that's coming fast. Uh, so that's coming soon. And, yeah, the hits just keep rolling. All right. Thanks for jumping on this morning. It's always uh, always a pleasure to have you, and we'll have you back on intermittently Sounds throughout, good. Yeah. throughout the season. All the fans, encourage all the fans here that, uh, you know, watch BTL, of course. But after the show, check out MajorLeagueFishing.com. Go check out the last You can split screen it, too. You could pull yeah, up Major League Fishing and then listen to BTL while you watch Major League Fishing. Yeah, that's what I got going right now. I got both. So There you go. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, take care, Matt. Thank you. All right. See you, Joe. All right. That was Joe Pogger. Uh, and I wanted to lead with that. Uh, okay, there's also something else that happened over the weekend, and this is just getting silly, but we're going to bring today's guest in to talk about it. Uh, one of the most downloaded and viewed shows from 2022 was the uh, Johnny Schultz and Brad Hallman show. In fact, I had more comments from that show as we bring Johnny in. I had more comments from that show that were like, hey, Matt, shut up and just let Brad and Johnny talk for two hours. <laughs> like it took a, a little hit on the ego, but. Uh, You've got a big following, and a lot of the BTL listeners love to uh, to pick your brain. It is Johnny Schultz from, let's see, you do bass fit. Is it bass fishing confidential? Declassified. Declassified. Bass fishing declassified. Fish the it, moment. The deep dive app. What else? What other projects do you have? So actually, uh, later this month, I'm going to be launching a new bait company with Matt Steffen. Uh, Are you serious? Or Tackle. So we're going to be launching a new bait company as well. No way. You're launching your own bait company. Yeah, we got a couple of designs that Matt and I have been kicking around for like a year and a half. And we're just like, man, we just have to make these. Uh, one of them is going to be basically a replacement for the uh, the Neko rig. So Matt, you're going to love that. And then uh -oh. uh, we got a, uh, a pretty pretty saucy swim bait hook also coming out that is a uh, very unique design so both those are can hit the market here probably in the next couple of months so you and uh, matt Stefan, matt's on on uh btl probably well he's on once a quarter four times a year until we do the uh bigfoot show then it'll be five times a year <laughs> you know that you know we'll talk about all this stuff in bass fishing we'll do all this tactics promise you you know what the most views is going to be guys talking about bigfoots and ufos that they found underwater oh of course yeah when, you know, you see those on live scope and side imaging every once in a while, and I just try to keep it on the DL. But uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, I wanted to get you on to talk about this. Uh, February 11th, 2023, Eastern Region, Toledo Bend Tournament Number 1, Bass Champs Tournament Trail. And uh, 2895 to win with an 1158. That's a strong day. But you go down to third, Bill Cook and Ken Burgess, they had... Uh, they had five for 25.87. But in that mix was a 15.67. Biggest bass ever caught in Bass Champs history. Biggest bass that I think has probably ever been weighed in in tournament history. In in like in in organized tournament history. I cannot remember. I poured over it. Anything over 15.67. Dude, 15.67, Johnny. <laughs> I cannot believe that, man. That's crazy. Does it seem well, to you like there's just been an influx of these monster bass? I mean, we're talking about OHIV, obviously, and you've got yeah. the guys that are down there that are targeting. They know what they're doing. That's a unique situation. I liken it to the the 90s and early 2000s with the, the boom in Southern uh, out in California. But 
now we're seeing, I mean, we saw a third, a heavy 13 weighed in at Toledo Bend. We're seeing consistent fish over 10 in multiple states being weighed in. Here's a 1567. Is this a cycle? Is this live scope and forward facing sonar? Is this guys getting smarter because of educational channels like fish the moment out there and all sorts of YouTube stuff? What is the deal with these monster fish that are now seemingly commonplace on the way in stage? I have to put it down to live scope almost 100%. It's crazy, man, because I'm watching YouTube videos and watching guys and watching just random people out on the lake crushing them offshore with live scope that I know we're not fishing offshore three or four years ago. I mean, I started my YouTube channel, Fish the Moment, basically 100% based on offshore bass fishing. And I think that the ability to interpret live scope and the ability to understand what's going on with live scope and understand the power is driving so many more people off the bank and they're starting to realize that they can catch these suspended roaming bass that are just out in the middle that have never been targeted before and i think probably even up to two years ago guys had live scope but they didn't know exactly how to maximize it but now there's so much information there's so many guys i mean i'll just watch so many random youtube videos with a thousand views where guys going out on some random lake catching a 37 pound bag you didn't see people just randomly going out in the middle of the lake throwing a that's jerk bait or a swim bait and catching that's, 37 pounds that's my boy austin cranford yeah like it's a thousand he called views. me he's like dude wait till you see what happened today eddie jumped one off over 10. But like you just don't see, you didn't see that on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. People going out in the middle, like people. Would That's be going a great concept. That dude, his nickname is Pig, and he's a straight up power fisherman. And for the last five years, he's been fishing the opens and working. And he prides himself on big string and jerking him in the boat and finding the muddy water. And then the last couple years, he was like, "Dude, this is kind of cool." And he's got a job that enables him to be on the water a lot. He's got a great sponsor. He's fishing all nine of the opens. And he has legitimately become talented with the forward-facing sonar and a jerkbait over the last year and a half. He is the epitome of what you're just, you're talking about, Johnny. And everyone is doing that. Like, I fished a Beaver Lake uh, tournament, just a local little team trail just for fun. And I fished a couple of them. And there's guys where I'm going out graphing the middle of these, you know, drain ditches, stuff like that. And I would just fish with 2D sonar back in the day. You know, I would be, I've been doing this for 10 years. We're graphing down the center of the drains, find the, the bait fish, follow the bait fish with 2D sonar, wait till you see the fish come up underneath them. Now with live scope, it's just so much more approachable. But guys aren't even graphing. They're just dropping their trolling motor in the front of a creek, going around with live scope, not using their other electronics, finding a shad, dropping their baits on these fish and catching really good bags of fish on beaver which is a tough lake and i mean my process still is to get on my 2d sonar side imaging down imaging because i can just graph faster and find those fish and i can find the same fish with those traditional sonars and i've been doing mm -hmm. it forever but the buried entry on understanding the technology is so much lower with live scope that you can literally just drop it and just say oh there's a school there of three and four pounders they're underneath the shad let me throw a little ice jig or a Demiki rig or an alabama rig and just catch it it's so much easier uh i gotta ask you know you work work closely with randy uh block it you do <laughs> the you do the uh lake map breakdowns yeah uh and you guys are buddies off air do you guys have spirited discussions about this, about the forward-facing sonar thing? Because I don't want to get into, but he's obviously, he's obviously old school, and yeah. you're obviously embraced it. 
but off air. I'm not talking about the videos with the clickbait titles and Randon, you know, all that, but I'm talking about off air. Do you guys have like hour long discussions about this stuff? I always wonder. Well, first thing I'll say is Randy has been one of the biggest, you know, contributors to yeah. my website and everything like that. And he is just a super hard worker, great family man. And he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. I've known since I was 12 years old. And I think that he comes off on YouTube. He, he, he knows what he's doing in terms of getting the views, getting the clicks, stuff like that. But honestly, off air, Randy and I don't talk about fishing we don't talk about stuff like that we just talk about like uh for example my wife and his wife they, they both enjoy weightlifting so we'll talk about the weightlifting competitions him and his son or his wife are there and we talk about just you know normal stuff and if we ever talk about fishing he'll just be like oh that's kind of cool i saw your video with the live scope it was cool seeing the fish swim around down there so he is not like super uh i mean he's not calling you up at 11 going i i can't sleep because you're using this stuff no, I mean, like there was a video, right. I put, it was hilarious. So I, I made a video. It was not on purpose, but I was catching him in 40 foot of water with live scope, showing my screen recordings, pulling these fish out of deep water. And that same day, Randy made a video saying live scope is the worst thing that ever happened. The same and also, don't fish uh, in deeper than 40 feet of water because it's killing fish. So basically, my video uh -oh. is the exact thing that he said not to do. But like he didn't call me up and, and rail me out. We were just I just called him. He thought it was funny. But like, yeah, it's we're we have a great relationship working relationship both so yeah it's i hear you no problems there have you seen a massive growth in your uh channel in the fish the moment channel since all this started going down a year and a half ago two years ago where it really got mainstream yeah i mean i honestly i see my views going down whenever i post live scope content i think there's a lot of uh, negativity around live scope uh, uh out there so whenever i put a thumbnail or a title that's like fishing with live scope People don't like it, but if they love watching my videos, still showing 2D sonar down imaging, side imaging. So I started up this new format of video where basically what I do is I have all my fish finders linked in so I can basically record my screen while I'm fishing live. And I will drive and show you guys exactly how I find my fish with traditional sonar. And I'll graph a creek, show you everything I show on the screen, all the bait fish, fish, brush, whatever I find. And I'll show you that process. Then I'm going to get up on the live scope and catch them. And people seem to enjoy that because even if you don't have forward-facing sonar or live scope, you can still learn how to find fish. And I think that that's the problem is it's if you don't have live scope, it's completely, it feels unrelatable because it's like, okay, I can't go catch those fish because I don't have the live scope. And a lot of yeah. times that's a hundred percent true because the fish that I'm catching, it, it would be very difficult to catch them without the live scope in a hundred percent, you know, being transparent. Uh, all right. For those of you, if you're like, what the heck's going on? Who are we talking with? It's Johnny Schultz from Fish the Moment. Go back to, if you want to, I would start if you're not familiar, because I don't want to go through the whole thing of where you talk about how you got into this and what you do, because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a 30 minute conversation. So go back to last year's conversation when, when Brad Hallman was on and listen to that. If you have questions, because I want to get right into this, because what Johnny is doing from the educational side of things is massive and he called me a couple weeks ago and was like dude look what i figured out how to do uh and he's done it in the last couple videos over on fish the moment and i'm going to share the screen now so you can talk about uh what he's showing but what you've managed to figure out as i have here so that's a live shot of you yep down in the court not live now but when you recorded it and you've got your side imaging uh, you're down imaging, you've got all of your stuff. So you're actually walking through the sonar stuff on the lake 
And instead of having a glare or anything, you have direct screens in real time. Correct. Yeah, that's the the goal is to show exactly what's going on. And, you know, I'll point out what the fish are doing, where they are. Uh, for example, like here, you have a deep school oh, of bait. Sorry. I'll point out the, the, the fish. So this is like an example. One of the things, if you just let this roll, I was showing in this example that I'm looking at a school of gizzard chad and you can see the size of the fish. So when this gets paused here, I'll switch it over on my screen. This is the stuff that I love to show and could love to teach because this is what the best pros in the world are doing and they have these skills on is basically we have a ball of shad here and we have these really big arches if you pause it there <laughs> you can see that like on my settings with my down imaging for example my the fish pop really big where i saw they say the big dots and you have those small dots so from this image people will be like okay there's some fish there and there's just some dots what's going on well the 2d sonar there has a really big arch because i set my setting to the point where the bigger three to five pound bass are going to pop as these bigger arches but if you look in down imaging you can see there's a dot next to that ball of shad but there's no <laughs> arch on my 2d sonar that's because i've set my settings so that i filter out every bass under two pounds so i never see any bass on my 2d sonar that are below two pounds i've like set my settings so that's the case so now i can go around the lake and i can graph specifically for three to five pound bass and how'd you never learn about that like what made how'd you figure that out I mean, my, my engine has like 1800 hours on it. So, uh, time behind the wheel and just catching them over the years. Like you'll pull up on the spot. I'll change my settings and I'll, okay, Hey, that's a five pounder. I just caught and I saw the arch and then I go and I catch two pounders or one pounders and you just kind of dial it in. But then what, what show, so let me get this straight to just make sure I understand that density shows up really well, whether it's forward facing sonar, down imaging or 2D. So the denser an object is, the harder the return is going to be based on the, the code of the transducer, correct? Correct. Which would explain why a tungsten jig or a jerk bait that has metal components looks so big on forward facing sonar compared to the size of the fish, because there's a lot of fins and cartilage and stuff that's not very dense, which is why the bigger fish show up as denser because there's more hard stuff in them than a two pounder. Correct. And like, so that ball of shad down there, that's actually a school of gizzard shad. And you can tell by the way that the shad are clumped up there. You can actually see almost individual dots or individual arches. So those gizzard shad are six to 12 inches long, but even so you can see that small dot on the bottom right of the corner. That's just yep. one individual gizzard shad that swam out of that school. And the fish I'm, are, I'm fishing for are feeding on gizzard shad. So like if I go to Grand Lake, for example, Matt, I'm going to graph for four hours sometimes. And I might drive through three or four schools of two pounders. But what I'm looking for specifically, and I can see this on side imaging as well with my settings, is I'm looking for schools of gizzard shad with three to five pound bass around them. And I am not going to stop my engine until I see a school of gizzard shad and I can differentiate the gizzard shad from the thread fin with my electronics. And I can differentiate the three pounders from the one pounders or the five pounders from the two pounders. And I'm going to only stop when I'm in the juice gizzard shad, five pound bass. I'm not stopping the graph or stopping the engine until I see that. Yeah. Do you know anyone else that's setting up their graph to filter out smaller fish? I mean, I, I cannot imagine that uh, I'm the only one. I'm I'm sure Jacob Wheeler, you know, uh, Jordan Lee. I'm sure these guys these guys are figuring this out. Uh, Brian Thrift is a master with those electronics. I mean, I can't imagine that there's there's not 
dozens of guys that are doing this. Because, um, I mean, you've got some skepticism in the comments. you got some guys going, yeah, there people don't do that. But I, I've seen it. I've heard you talk about it. I will, I will say you had a conversation with Brad Hallman, and I don't know if it was on or off air, but it was done when Hallman, when you were talking about doing it in trees. Yeah. And Hallman got off the phone, and he's like, he's like, dude, he's like, there's just certain things that he's like, you a don't even think about it. B don't think it's possible. And he's like, dude, has it figured out? Like you're yeah. able to do that with trees to where fish show their returns, but not the trees. And you mentioned that last time you were on, it doesn't have to be like an open water deal here where you have a fish relating to a ball of gizzard. You can do this at table rock and timber and 50 foot of water and take yeah, the timber out and know where the big fish are in the top of the trees and not see the trees. Yeah. Well, and there's stuff I do too. Uh, this is just open water stuff for like deep stuff, but I can do the same thing. Like I can pull fish off the bottom. So like if these fish are holding tights, the bottom, I can differentiate a two pounder from a five pounder. If it's set on the bottom with my settings and you can do it with any brand of fish finder. It doesn't matter. It doesn't oh. matter if you're dealing with the <laughs> Hank Haney over here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's funny that that one showed up. <laughs> so like, here's like an image. So for example, I got this, this color palette, this amber color palette. So yeah, now we've gone to uh forward facing sonar live. So you have a quarter of the screen is, is you fishing live. And then three quarters of the screen is your live scope. Yeah. So like, this is an example of, this is what you could see with this, um, this black and amber color palette, which is great. It, it works. Okay. And a lot of guys use this. Well, just as this is an example of the sonar settings, I actually switch from this view to a blue color palette because you can actually see the fish on the bottom better. There's a lot of fish. If you see that bass I pointed out, it's really tight to the bottom. Yeah. And it's hard to differentiate that bass, which is a big one, from the bottom of the lake just because of the settings I have. So if you skip ahead a little bit, you'll see – I talk about all this in the video, and I try to – I share mm -hmm. everything uh, in my videos. But I'll – I've, I've noticed that, Johnny. Uh, yeah, I don't hold anything back. Uh, people get mad at me a little bit about it. You can see here I'm about to change my color palette, and I'm going to switch it to a blue color palette because okay. you can see the fish so much better. And I actually have all these settings guides on my website, uh, fishmoment.com, where you can actually get all my settings for my units. But now I switched it to this this color palette, basically. And now you can see these fish a lot clearer, and you can see them on the bottom better just with the – I have a ton of preset settings based on the conditions mm -hmm. and the whole reason you're doing this is you're trying to differentiate bass from shad or the size of bass. And you can see these bass right here on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, and from that fish right there, it's probably going to be a two and a half pounder, just maybe three pounder, but you can see my bait going down to them. Here they um, come. Here they come. They're, they're coming up to it and he's about to, about to eat bet, that thing. And he just munched it, didn't he? Yep. Oh, got you got him. him. So like there's some cool stuff there. Uh, and what I try to do is I try to show the live scope. I try to show the 2D sonar, all that stuff. And like in my videos, there's stuff you can do with side imaging that's crazy. There's finding shell beds with side imaging, finding schools of fish on the bottom. Um, there's all kinds of crazy stuff you can do with fish finders. And the only way you're going to figure this out is if you just spend hours and hours on your graph. That's the deal. But look at those fish, dude. They are just... <laughs> They're hurting yeah. those shad. Yeah, we could, I could watch this stuff for hours. But yeah, that's the that's the thing, dude, is um, with the electronics, there's so much potential. And one thing I've been realizing, and I, I'm going to put a video out this Friday, Matt, that's kind of crazy. Um, basically, I was out on Beaver Lake, and Beaver Lake is not the easiest lake to fish by any means. Uh, you know, a winning bag in a tournament is going to be 15 pounds almost any, any time of the year. You might get a random, like, 19-pound bag that pops up every once in a while. 20 pound bags are super rare, 
So I was out on this one creek on Beaver last week. And normally what I do my for my videos is I just pick a creek and I just go find the fish. And I don't mm -hmm. care how I catch them. If I catch them in the middle of the lake suspended, if I catch them against the bank, it doesn't really matter. But I use my electronics to find the fish. And a lot of times I'll graph through an entire creek. I won't see any fish offshore. So that means, okay, they're probably up against the bank feeding on crawfish. So I just go against the bank and start throwing a jig and I catch them. But it's all this process of elimination. But with the live scope, it's so much faster. So I used to make videos where it would take me four to six hours to find an active group of fish where I would graph around, I would find a brush pile or a rocky spot or a shell bed. There'd be bait fish there, the bass would be feeding, and I would see all of those elements in combination. And I would stop and I would catch my fish. But sometimes it took me nine hours of graphing because mm -hmm. you basically are waiting for that perfect opportunity, kind of like schooling fish where the shad are on the spot, there's a place for them to feed, a feeding table, whether that's brush piles, rock piles, whatever it is, and the bass are there. Once all three elements are together, you're going to crush them. You're going to catch them. And I would just wait until I found that. Well, now I went into this creek in Beaver this last weekend with the live scope. And what I did is I graphed this creek. I found balls of shad. I found isolated brush piles where I saw fish that were holding tight to the bottom on 2D sonar down imaging. And I knew that there were big bass in the area. I knew there was brush piles and laydowns that the fish were relating to. Mm -hmm. And I saw the shad. But they weren't all together in the same spot. So five years ago without the live scope, I would have just kept graphing until I found a brush pile that had shad around it and the fish were up feeding around the brush. And then I would stop, throw my bait in there and catch them. This time, I literally saw the bait, saw the brush, dropped the trolling motor, found one of those balls of shad, and then started following it. And I literally followed this ball of shad around the back of this creek for like 15 minutes until it swam over the top of a brush pile. As soon as that shad ball came over the top of that brush pile, a two and a half pound bass to three pound bass came up out of that brush pile, started feeding on the shad, and I pitched a Miki rig over there and caught it right away. I then put that fish back in the lake, found the ball of shad again, followed the sh shad ball around to the next brush pile. Another three pounder came up through my Miki rig, caught that fish. Finally, the shad moved up to the bank and were actually on a laydown that you could see off the bank that was in 10 foot of water. And I watched the shad swim over to that laydown and watched the fish come off the bottom out of that laydown in 10 foot, literally right up against the bank, pitched the Demiki rig over there, caught that fish. And it was crazy because it's like basically what's happening when you're fishing down the bank normally, and I'm, I'm not 100% on this, this is just my theory, but let's say you're fishing down a random bank on Beaver and there's some laydowns there, there's some chunk rock bank, whatever. If you fish down that bank, there's a 95% chance that you're going to make your cast and nothing's happening. The fish are right. not active and aggressive, but maybe 5% of the time you're just, because you're making a thousand casts a day, the old Rick Clun KVD model of 1,000, 1,500 casts a day, 10 of those casts are going to be made right when those shad are right up against the laydown and the bass is coming up out of that laydown. It's actively feeding. You bring that crankbait by their face and they just eat it. And it's just that perfect, um, timing and you hit it perfectly and you're just trying to increase your odds or your probability of catching those fish so that would explain the whole cat. kvd thing as power fishing and fishing fast effectively so it, you know obviously what he what he did it before forward facing sodar it was put your bait in high percentage areas as much as possible and the reason he was successful was because if you're able to put your bait in productive areas three times as much as the rest of the field your odds of having that bait in there when those mixtures that you just described is happening goes through the freaking roof so Correct. if you're making five percent of your casts that are prime 
cast where it has all the elements and everyone else is making it one or two percent of the time, you're naturally going to catch more fish. Exactly. And we'll think about you. You've had this before. Everyone, I'm sure on the, this mm-hmm. podcast has heard this before. But basically, you go down a bank, you fish down it, you don't catch crap. And then someone comes in right behind you an hour later and they're like, man, I caught four big fish mm-hmm. right off this bank. Or you do the same thing. You come in right after somebody. Well, why did that happen? Maybe in that one hour or 30 minute difference that you fish that bank, the wind starts blowing. Those shads start moving up and start feeding on the plankton that's getting kicked up around that bank. And now you roll through that bank and the, the bait fish are there and the bass are actively feeding. The bass may have been there. They just weren't actively going after those shad. So it was a lot, a lot harder to catch those fish. You might be able to slow down with a jig or shaky head or mm-hmm. Ned rig and maybe pick up one of those inactive fish. But you're going to waste so much time and you don't know if that's the best bank either. And that's why I don't worry about fishing behind people anymore. I will go right behind anybody. It doesn't matter because the chances of them hitting a spot at the perfect time is so low. And the only way, like the way I always used to fish Matt when I didn't have live scope and people always ask, how, how do you fish differently if you didn't have live scope? I mean, you well, did all this stuff before yeah. forward facing sonar. You did the same video breakdowns with Everything. 2d with uh vertical with down and side imaging. It's not like you just got live scope and then you're like, Hey, let's start making these videos. I mean, this has been a lifelong passion of yours through the evolution of technology. Yeah. And I mean, this has been, yeah, this has been my, my jam. This yeah. is what Continue. I do. Sorry. I just, that yeah, was an important, important yeah. caveat that I wanted to throw in there and let everyone know this. Yeah. You can watch the first five years of my YouTube channel. I didn't have live scope. I didn't even get live scope when it first came out. I, I waited like two years before I got it. Cause I just was catching them normal. Mm-hmm. But what I would do is my, when I first started fishing offshore, what I realized is, okay, I'm going to take the KVD approach to offshore fishing. So I used to fish a lot of tournaments like Dardanelle. And I would find as many brush piles as possible, as many shell beds, as many whatever with side imaging, down imaging. I didn't even worry if there were fish around them. And I would literally hit 50 to 100 spots a day. That's not novel. That's You hear guys doing that all the time on the like the Herring Lakes, for example, Lake Murray, where they mm-hmm. pull up, they'll find cane piles, they'll throw a topwater forecast over the cane pile, and they'll leave. Why are they doing that? Because they're trying to find a cane pile that has a group of blueback herring sitting over the top the bass are sitting in that cane pile they're just chilling there but they are super hard to catch almost impossible to catch until the herring come over the top of that cane pile so my thought was okay i'm gonna pull up and make two to three casts with a deep diving crankbait and that's the only bait i threw on dardanelle for like five years uh offshore in the summer i would just throw a deep diving crankbait over these brush piles i would get bit in my first two to three casts if i didn't i'd move on and i would just roll and i would fish 50 to 100 spots a day maybe fish the same spot four to five times. And I would usually, my odds were, I'm going to get bit on two to four spots I stop on if I fish 50 areas. Mm -hmm. That is a less than 10% chance of actually getting bites. But when I would catch one, I would catch multiple. Then I realized when I started my YouTube channel, that is not feasible because I don't have the time to go out and practice and find all these spots. So I have to find everything day of. Well, how do I then catch my fish day of consistently because I need the YouTube content. How do I always ensure I catch fish? Well, the way I ensure I catch fish 70 to 80% of my trips is I would literally graph as long as it possibly took seven hours sometimes till I found, like I was mentioning, that moment, the bait, the fish, the cover, all of it's happening. Whether it's on my side imaging, I'm seeing them up on a shell bed and two foot of water and you can see the gizzards and the bass up there. 80 foot of water, they're suspended in trees under the bait balls. I just graph like nonstop till I found that moment. I pull up, I catch those fish and it's super effective. It's super consistent. 
maybe not the most fun way of catching mm -hmm. them if you just want to go out and catch fish, but it is extremely effective because you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that when you make a cast, those fish are active, they're feeding, they're aggressive, and you can catch them. It's interesting. We had some talks off, off air too, and I was like, well, that also explains why there's certain stretches or like you could go down a dam or a stretch of chunk rock or just a stretch of natural bank and there always seems to be certain stretches where you get bit and you don't know why but you know i was talking to you and it's because it has those elements that make it perfect and we might not be able to see it above the water but you're like all right we're coming up on the stretch it might have better ambush a different bottom where the fish are sitting on the bottom where they're living uh and and we don't realize that but that explains why you get bit when you're in that stretch almost all the time and only some of the time outside of that stretch yeah even let's take it oh you don't have to get offshore let's just think shallow water let's yeah. think bluegill bed fishing in the summer you go fish 1500 boat docks or however many mm -hmm. boat docks you fish let's say you fish 100 boat docks in a day okay well of those boat docks how many of those are going to have bluegill beds that are right next to a shade pocket next to those docks mm -hmm. 10 maybe 15 maybe more certain set of circumstances yeah. that require it Yep. And then of that, how many of times are those bluegills swimming away and a bass is getting ready to ambush? So mm -hmm. you're fishing a ton of docks and you're just randomly doing that. Well, let's say then instead you knew, hey, on this corner of this dock, there's a there's a brim bed or a bluegill bed. And you knew that. Well, that's what these pros are doing. The guys who are really good, they're only fishing the docks with bluegill beds around them. But then also on top of that, they still don't always get those fish to bite because they have to have that perfect circumstance where the brim are kind of scattered or they're moving and the bass is trying to feed on the bluegill at that exact mm -hmm. moment so even just knowing that there's brim around the boat dock and there's bass there doesn't mean that you're going to catch them every time you have to have that that opportunity that circumstance on it perfectly the way they do that they fish a ton of docks and they just cover a ton of water and that's how they they make it happen that's good stuff all right we need to throw a break in here yeah uh, Johnny Schultz from fish the moment. When we come back, there was a bait that you used in the, uh, and you talked about it a little bit. I think it was in that video and you were showing the Demiki rig there. Yeah. Uh, very timely bait right now coming into the Bassmaster classic where Gustafson won moping, uh, on that Tennessee river in the elite series. I'm sure we're going to see that play a lot, uh, outside of Florida where everyone's fishing now that that's really become a, a standard technique. We saw Coop Gallant win an open on it last year on uh, Cherokee. We've seen Jacob Wheeler win an event on it. We've seen Michael Neal uh, win events on it. So you mentioned fishing that in a kind of non-traditional way uh, on Beaver. And I'd like to dive into that when we come back. It is BTL on a Monday, February 13th with Johnny Schultz from Fish the Moment. We will be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush.
Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough. And I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up. You're bad about getting water runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down rain. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got no pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the water man brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you want to just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting straps we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down elite series pro daryl gleason here my Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatandRV.com, Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. All right, welcome back. BTL on a Monday. And before we get back into it with Johnny Schultz, I just want to remind everybody that Omnia Fishing is there to help you find the right gear and have success on your lake. Browse from the library of more than 15,000 fishing reports written by the pros, guides, and local experts for free. And through each of the nine opens this year, I will actually be uh, submitting a Bassmaster open report to uh, Omnia. So, kicking off here in a couple weeks from the open on Eufaula. It'll have the baits that I use, what I found, the areas that I thought were uh, productive. Uh, you can sign up for their custom email newsletter to get tips, articles, and features on the lakes and techniques that you really care about. When we have the guys from Omnion, he talked about it like you make a profile and then it says hey here's the reports for your lake. Here's what guys who fish that lake have been buying. It's really cool stuff. Uh, when you're ready, they have a huge selection of bass gear. Order ship fast. Uh, orders purchased before 1 p.m. ship out that same day. So omniafishing.com. All right, Johnny. Uh, Demiki rig, most underrated. Actually, rig. Matt, sorry to interrupt you. You might if I yeah. answer a couple questions that are over in the stream. I'm just pulling up the live chat. I like to yeah, have at it. That, whatever whatever you see, have at it. And if there's any okay. that uh, Clay Williamson disagrees with, like 95% of the stuff we say. So if you want to go after Clay, that would make my day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. So actually with what Clay was saying, I, I, I do think that, uh, I was reading through a couple of his comments and 
I do agree. He says, he says, I'm not doubting he's right, but I also keep finding out everything we know was a lie about bass fishing. And I a hundred percent agree with clay in that sense that all of the stuff I'm talking about is just my interpretation of mm -hmm. what I'm seeing using my electronics. And we're making educated guesses based on what has produced results. Even if what I'm saying does produce consistent results for me, it doesn't mean that I am actually right about what is causing the bass to do what they do. So what I always try to explain to people is the way I try to teach is not necessarily what is absolutely right. Like when I explain how side imaging and down imaging work, I'm not going to get into the sonar frequency beam, all the like engineering stuff. It's like, right. how do you use this to catch fish? This is my best guess. And I always try to, to explain it like that. And I'm trying to show you what I know is as factual as possible, but I am definitely not you know, all knowing or anything like that. But I do feel like there's some pretty good theories and guesses we can put around it. So I, I will put that out there. But yeah, definitely take everything you hear in bass fishing with a grain of salt, including myself. I am not, you know, all knowing by any means. And it's there for education, er, education, but you know, BTLs, entertain, educate, and engage. Like, dude, this whole, I mean, we're here to have fun yeah. and catch fish. And enjoy yeah. yourself and get lost in the process. I mean, you quit your job for a fuller, more experienced life that you wake up with a passion for doing what you're doing every single day. Right, Johnny? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's so funny. There's there's a lot of guys like a couple comments in here like, why, why don't you take your skills to the big stage? Are you scared to fish professionally? All that stuff. And it's like, well, you can think about it that way or you can think about it in that I can make a living fishing without the pressure of having to make a paycheck every week and travel around the country and I can still learn. And the thing that excites me the most about bass fishing, and I've fished some local tournaments here recently, Matt, too, to try to see if I have that tournament itch. I don't. The only thing I really care about during a tournament day is I want to figure out how to catch fish on that given day. And I would love to show people exactly how I do that. So like on those tournament days, I wasn't filming and there was some great stuff I learned during those tournaments. And I was just mad because I was like, I could have filmed this shared it with people mm -hmm. and helped people understand how to catch more fish there. And it was frustrating. Now. Okay. A couple things here. Do I think that there's some of the stuff that's on your channel? Cause I watch them. That is not as applicable six days after 250 boats have been pounding it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I also think that 95% of the people who are watching your channel are not going out there trying to catch fish after 300 boats have pounded it for six days. Absolutely. There's only 235 guys at each open. There's only 250 guys in each uh, Toyota series. And you can tell based on the views, just statistically, the most of the guys are going to go out where if the fish are set up there, they should be set up there and they shouldn't have been absolutely blasted for the last week leading up to it. So to say, hey, it's not applicable in that yet. Yeah, I do believe that pressure moves fish, and we've talked a lot about off-air. You would love to figure out some sort of way to figure out, to factor in the fishing pressure along with the, hey, this is what I found work based on my hundreds of hours on the water. So like that, that I 100% agree with. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, and it was ironic when we played that, you said that was Hank Haney, who's a golf coach who, who showed up there. But you don't see people that are like, well, if Hank Haney's working with with this guy like jordan spieth why the hell isn't hank out there on tour <laughs> you, you know what i mean like if he's got yeah. the perfect golf swing if he could do it why can't he just go out and stripe it pure for 72 holes and beat all these guys same exact thing in in fishing and the stuff i think that you're putting out takes so much time and effort like 
you could put that towards tournaments if you want, but if you're a tournament guy, you've got to put that towards finding fish and not ideal. What you're able to do is show ideal circumstances and situations. So when people see it, then they can recognize it and capitalize on it. And that takes time. Exactly. It's, it's just a difference of what I want to do personally with my, my fishing and things like that. And I, I've said this before on, on BTL, but like before I was 20 years old, I'd fished over 150 bass fishing tournaments. So I used to fish tournaments nonstop. Uh, and I really found after I was done with it, the reason I was fishing the tournaments is because I was trying to understand the bass behavior. And I wasn't even mad when I would lose the tournament because someone beat me. I was just mad. I didn't figure out the fish. And for me, figuring out the fish and how to catch them day to day basis, how it changes, how it, how to adjust to those changes. And that's why I would love to, you know, figure out like on an open situation, how does the fishing pressure affect those? But the problem is that that's not applicable. Like you said, to 95% of viewers. Yeah. So it's like, why teach the, it, all I would be doing is doing studies for the 200 guys that fish yeah. the opens. I mean, I guess it would really be applicable on some TVA stuff, like where there's always yeah. boats on the water at like a Gunnersville or a Chickamauga right now where there's just constant pressure. But, but yeah. as a, as a whole, that's a very isolated incident. Uh, okay. Damiki rig, whatever yeah. you want to call it, uh, jig head, minnow, moping, uh, jerk shad on, yeah. uh, uh, any everyone has it, but dude, this thing is is especially. I feel like over the last number of years, went from kind of a weird East Tennessee thing to very applicable across the country. Fair assessment. Agree. Yeah, and so one thing I will say is, um, I, I just started fishing the Demiki rig a lot, like probably three years ago when we were watching mm -hmm. uh jacob we were four years ago i don't need uh, time flies that was, it was, was way long ago it was his first okay. one so it was like 16 17 maybe okay. 18 so yeah okay now it's five five years ago whatever it was it was when jacob wheeler was catching them on cherokee uh you know fishing on those rock piles and stuff like that and so i started using it with 2d sonar a lot and one thing that i realized matt that i didn't really i, I, I didn't get this but my number one bait year round is a hair jig and not like a, a tiny hair jig. I'm talking about a half ounce Tennessee River hair jig. The one I throw is a Cumberland Pro. The hair length on it's like four and a half inches long, half ounce hair jig. And that is my most consistent bait for any species, any lake, any time of the year, year round. I throw it in three feet of water. I'll throw it out to 80 feet of water. And I catch my most fish, my biggest fish on a hair jig. And the reason for that, I felt like was that basically you can create that reaction strike where you burn that bait up let fall down through those fish and something about that bait falling through those fish triggered that bite. Well, what I'm realizing now with the Demiki rig with the live scope is that you're generating the exact same bite a lot of times with the Demiki rig that you do on a hair jig, but you're actually watching it on the live scope where you're mm -hmm. pitching that thing out there. A lot of times you're watching it fall down to their face, letting it fall through them, reeling it back up past them to trigger them. Sometimes they eat it as it's just falling down to them. Sometimes you just have to sit there and hold it in front of their face and they'll eat it. But it's very similar to what I did with a hair jig throughout the summer, the fall, even the winter, I catch them on a hair jig and it's the same profile. It's a small hook. It has the same kind of when you reel a hair jig, it's, it's kind of goes to that same yeah. bait shape. Yep, and you're right. honestly, I can go out and throw a hair jig on Grand Lake table rock. Uh, I catch them on the Arkansas river. I catch them on shell beds on the Arkansas, Arkansas river. river, eight inches of water visibility. I had one tournament map that I was fishing and there was a shell bed that was on a sandbar drop and it was in 
three feet of water dropping off into 12 feet of water. And I could not get those fish to bite for whatever reason. And I've been catching them on a hair jig on Lake Dardanelle in this one shell bed that was like eight feet deep. So I had it in my box and I couldn't get them to buy a top water or anything. Fire that hair jig up there, burn it. It's coming out of the water and falling down. And these mm-hmm. fish are eating the hair jig off the top of the surface on a on a sandbar drop with a shell bed. And I'm catching three and four pounds. That's why Nate said that FF minnow that yums yum sells is basically it's not basically it is yum's version of a Demiki rig. Demiki, yes. Demiki rig falls under the same category as a chatterbait and a Cinco. It was yep. kind of the first popularized to it. There is actually, you know, actually Brian Thrift made Demiki probably the most famous brand. Uh, yes. But the Demiki is the the brand of of jig head that sits horizontally in the water with a small two and a half to four inch minnow bait uh, with a straight tail and no action. So when we say a Demiki rig, that is the brand name. That's that's the the like saying a, a cinco as opposed to a stick bait or a trick stick or a chatter bait as opposed to a uh, thunder cricket or you know yeah. whatever like that. So that's what we're talking the about. Jig head minnow. It's basically a big crappie jig. <laughs> I, I feel like jig head minnow sounds too Minnesotan though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, like so even when you is. say hair jig, I mean it's it's basically crappie jigs or little hair yeah. jigs, and we just yeah. made it bigger for bass. It's just I, a upsized version of a little crappie. I mean, jig. there were guys who caught fish in that Cherokee event that cashed a check. I think Big Show was one of them on a crappie jig, and and that's a yeah. great point. Um, someone just pointed out there, Clay the uh, Clay Williamson. The Demiki <laughs> is just a super advanced level float and fly without the float. Perfect. Well, float and fly is actually a little underrated technique. I need to yeah. make a YouTube video about that. I've, I've caught him on that before. But too. it's That's also a, a swim bait. And I think you you would be the first to agree that when, especially in the winter in these shatter swimming, there's not a lot of work, 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 work. It's, it's very streamlined and very straight. These things aren't going in a Z pattern wherever they go, like a 1.5 or like a big paddle tail swim bait that you're reeling. Like they that Demiki rig mimics them very well and their minute movements. So this is a hot take, Matt. I don't know if this is actually true. A hot I'll take. You, I'll give you a hot take. So I personally don't feel like there's that big of a difference between a straight tail swim bait and just a regular like uh Kai tech paddle tail swim bait in general. I think that the reason that guys are catching fish, whether it's a mag draft or a Kai tech or whatever, or you just throw a straight tail like fluke or anything like that. I think you can catch fish on any of those baits in these situations. And I, I feel very strongly about this. The bait is not nearly as important as we make it out to be if those fish are actively feeding. If you're trying to catch inactive bass that are not actively feeding, yes, the bait can matter. But why does KVD throw a square bill or, or why did Rick Clint throw a square bill and they just burn the bank and just throw a square bill in any lake conditions. Any Same water thing bill. we talked about in the first segment of this thing, Johnny, they're trying to put uh bait. They're trying to put, give themselves as many percentage points as possible as putting their bait in the perfect scenario. And it's the most efficient bait. You can cast it. You can reel it fast. You don't have to fish like a spinner bait where you have to maintain the speed. You can burn it. It deflects off cover super well. And with those fish swipe at it, you're going to get them with a treble hook. It's the most efficient way to cover water as fast as possible. So what I've found is the most efficient way for me to catch them offshore this time of year is just to throw the Demiki rig, the, the jig head minnow, whatever you want to call it, because I can just put it right in front of their nose. And if you go watch Jason Christie's new YouTube 
uh, videos recently. Jason Chris has been killing it, and he's just going around these lakes throwing the sonar minnow. It's cool because he's he. I you could tell in those videos that he is learning things as he's filming, and it's genuine excitement. Like that one. Did you see that one that he just posted where he like caught the FF minnow up to the bait, and then the fish went like backwards and went up to it. Like that wasn't him being like, oh, we got to go get content. That's him going, dude. I've been doing this for twenty years. This is something new. Holy cow, look at how aware this fish is in his environment that it knew this little bitty thing was behind him seven foot up and was able to track it and eat it. Like that's genuine excitement that you're seeing from him on that video. Would you agree? That's what makes it so good. Chris, he's one of the, he's obviously one of probably the top five anglers in the world. And even in, it's so crazy because in that video when he, he won the Hartwell mm-hmm. uh, classic, he was talking about, he was like, man, I think I'm not, I don't want to talk for Christy because he, he can uh, talk for himself, but basically one sometimes he doesn't like to say very much. Yeah. One thing I took away from his video, if I'm spoiling uh, something for Christy apologies, but he said something in one of his videos. If you go watch his Hartwell tournament recap, he was like, man, those fish live on the bottom in the middle of these creeks in these uh, like they, they call them drains or ditches or whatever. Basically it's just a little pocket off the main lake. And he's like, I'm convinced that these fish are living on the bottom in 30 to 40 feet of water in the mouths of these creeks. And then in the mornings, those uh, herring are going to move back into the creeks. They move in there and you can catch them on the FF minnow underneath the shad. And then they would move back out and sit out in those basins. It's what Coop Gallant did in the open on, on every, there were 75 to a hundred guys, me, number one knew where Jacob Wheeler had done it, where the deep holes are, how to, I mean, dude, I had so many packs of Demiki rigs and stuff and I go out there and I graph and I didn't see him. And I see my forward-facing sonar, and I didn't see him. Well, you come to find out, yeah, neither did Coop. It's not like he had schools of four-pound smallmouth swimming around. Those suckers were on the bottom, and it wasn't until he got a bait down. The reason I didn't catch him is because I had forward-facing sonar. The reason no one else caught him was because we had forward-facing sonar, and we had the 2D, and we wanted to look at it. Coop was the smartest one to say, hey, this is what I do. These are the techniques back home. I understand this technique. These fish are glued to the bottom and I have to use the bait to bring them off the bottom. And once I do, then the bottom's alive and I'm catching 50 or 60 a day. But hundred of us looked like chumps because we were looking in our mind what we wanted to see there and we didn't see it. So we're like, well, we're not going to spend our time out here in 40 foot of water. We're freaking over them, dude. They were right there. We we're right there for the taking. 40, 50 fish days. And we all just went, nope, don't see them. Peace out. Do you want me to blow your mind, Matt? Yeah, Church blow my mind. The only place yeah. they do that. I did that on Beaver three weeks ago. Really? So I'm in exact the exact same a, thing. I'm in the back of a creek, very, very back of a of a creek, Van Hollow. I'll tell you the creek, Van Hollow, because it, it doesn't matter to me. So if we go back there, I'm graphing, and the way I do my all my fishing, Matt, is I just graph until I see the fish. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm graphing through these creeks, and I see these bait fish high in the water column, and but I no know fish. there's bait, and there's no fish. So I'm like, where are they? So I'm graphing, I'm graphing, I'm graphing. Well, I start maximizing my range and i'm looking at 40 foot of water and i'm on the last creek channel leading into this creek and i have my 2d sonar on and this is why learning 2d sonar down imaging side imaging is still extremely valuable even if you are good with forward-facing sonar knowing the other sonars are really valuable i was seeing little arches that looked like rocks but based on my experience i knew they weren't rocks and i was looking at these little tiny bumps on the bottom and with my settings uh, I was able to differentiate the fish from the bottom of the lake. And I'm like, there's fish that are sitting on the bottom, belly on the bottom and 40 foot down there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
what are they doing down there? And when you think fish in Ozarks in the winter, you think, okay, finding fish suspended on bait balls or fishing down channel swing banks with a jerk bait, finesse jig, a rig. Okay. That's what you do. These fish were sitting out in front of these channel swing banks, like probably where your boat would be fishing. If you were going to go down the bank with an a rig, they were dead on the bottom in 40 foot. And I was seeing them down there. I take my Demiki rig. I drop it down there. And as soon as my bait gets down there, you, you don't see anything on live scope. You barely see anything. Six fish come off the bottom. And I had a limit in nine drops off that spot. It was a six fish limit. And I had, a, and we found these during the turn, during a tournament and I caught boom, 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 had 15 pounds for six fish like that. And wow. those people, there were people around us fishing all these weeks. No one was fishing for those fish and they were just glued in on the bottom of the lake. And you can find those fish. And the thing is, is then I came back the, the next week to film my video. And I was like, I'm going to try to catch those fish. Those fish were not there anymore. They've moved a hundred yards back in the Creek. And we're now up underneath bait balls, chasing bait balls. So like they move and they shift and they change. And the next time I come, they're in brush piles and they're not around the shad. So they constantly are shifting, but you have to adapt on the, on the water, fish the moment and, and figure yeah, out what to go. do. But that's why you use the electronics to do that. Uh, all right. I want to get into this water, this water, yeah. uh, clarity thing, because this is going to take a minute because I've, I've, I've got some thoughts on this. So, okay. uh, obviously deep dive app, you talked me into letting the deep dive app sponsor BTL. Cause I was like, I don't do apps. And then, you know, after talking with you, I realized this isn't just a, Hey, get your money app. There's, you can't even go into all the stuff there is behind it, but it blows my mind how much money you have invested in this app on the R and D side. Yeah. But one of the things for the last six months that, you know, I talked to you probably about monthly, just check in, see what's up. And you're always really excited about this. And it launched for the premium premium. Yeah. The pro, which is what like eight bucks a month. Yeah. Less than the cost of literally almost every crankbait on the market. Less than a cost. Hold on. I got to get to this uh, deal right here. You have real-time water clarity for five lakes on there right now. Correct. I. How do you do that? <laughs> Let's just say it's very complicated. Uh, we, have to, we have to check it a bunch of different ways um and there's there's a lot of different validation processes so like this is beaver so for example if you pull up grand there's we have grand lake beaver lake okay Bolt, this Bolt. is grand right here yeah okay, so, so if you you're listening grand. on it so you have to remember you got a lot of people listening on itunes you can't but what yeah. you're what you're basically doing is through your app you're creating a heat map of water clarity from basically blue which is clear to orange which is dirty and if you go and dump in in Duck Creek on Grand right now, you don't have to wonder what it looks like in Honey, what it looks like at Up the Elk, what it looks like in Ketchum. You can literally pull the app open and it's real time based and you go, oh, Duck has color or uh, Honey has a lot of color in it or Ketchum is really clear right now or the back half of Drowning is perfect spinnerbait water. Exactly. And that's the thing that we've been working on super hard. And we basically got it now based on all of our testing. Uh, with I've done a lot of testing on Grand and on Beaver just because they're close to me. We have half a foot accuracy basically in water visibility. So to a half a foot increment, which is about as much as you need for bass fishing. You don't need to go mm -hmm. like, oh, it's a two inch difference. 
And it's crazy looking at these maps as they change over time. And we're adding more features to this. So we're hopefully going to have soon like an overtime feature maybe where you can see um, how it's been changing and stuff. But we just launched this and we're uh, just excited to get the maps out. But basically the idea with this is that when you go on the lake and you're trying to pattern fish, especially on reservoirs, but it also is big in Florida, all these lakes. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be rolling this out. We have it on five lakes now. We're going to be rolling it out to a lot more lakes. So this is not the only lakes we have. But figuring out, for example, like on this beaver one, one of the creeks I fished uh, last week, there was a bunch of runoff that comes in the back of these creeks and it muddied up the water. And I didn't know which creeks were getting runoff and which ones weren't. So if you look at the, a lot of the creeks on the top of the lake, the northern section, not a lot of runoff on those creeks are pretty clear, but all of those creeks on the right side of the map there, kind of in the right bottom mm -hmm. creeks, they all have runoff in them. That runoff is going to bring in, it was actually warm runoff because we have warm days. It brought in a bunch of uh, plankton and different little insects into there. The shad then went to the back of that creek and swarmed in there and the fish were going wild. They were going Demiki. crazy and it was easy. Yeah, Demiki just catching them. It was, it was easy. So I wouldn't have known that though, because if I would have gone to the 20 creeks on this lake that didn't have runoff, probably wouldn't be catching fish. But I went to one of the four creeks that did have runoff and it was just, <laughs> it was easy. It was literally just easy. And I didn't have to now waste time running into the back of every creek to see which ones have runoff because beaver's a big lake. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. I could just say, oh, I know this creek has runoff. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go find the fish. And I spent my time looking for the fish versus looking for the water clarity. What is this? Is this like the Ozarks? Uh, table Rock. Table Rock. So like you can see the dam super clear, but then you see the back of all like mm -hmm. the different creek arms The you know, you have. And this isn't James what it River. should be. This is actually what the clarity is this right is at this time is. when this screenshot was taken. Correct. And we don't, we, we update it probably a couple times a week on average. So there's a lot of factors that go into uh, how we can get images and stuff like that. And we have validation process to make sure it's good too, because we don't want to like give you guys bad water clarity. So we try to make sure that it's very accurate when okay. we put it in there. Let me ask you this. So this is Grand Lake here. How yeah. recent is this screenshot that you just sent me? That one, I can actually check on my side. Um, that one. I mean, is, this is within the last couple of days, right? This is from the uh, from the 11th. Okay, today's the 13th. So this is freaking interesting. And we're gonna so have another one coming out today. So we right. have another one for today. Listen, this is freaking wild. So I'm with my buddies last night. We're dude had a little Super Bowl get together. Crawfish boil, crappie oh, fry, yeah. whole nine yards. And they're talking about, uh, there's a number of them there. And they're talking about how there's a pretty substantial shad kill going on on Grand right now. And I said, well, that reminds me of 20, there's a BFL in 2013 where it took like two pounds to get paid. There weren't enough people who like caught fish to fill out checks, basically. And uh, I said, well, you got to run up the elk. That's where I was done before that. And one of the guys there said, oh, we did. It was freaking blown out up there. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, really blown out up there. Couldn't couldn't throw anything. He goes, so-and-so went up there and spent all day up there and didn't get a bite. And I'm like, well, that surprises me. Well, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this map right now. And if I'm in clear water down at down in uh like Ketchum here, yeah. the I can pull this up and know that the elk is blown out. Yep. I mean, there it is, right there, plain as day. Yeah, you don't need to go over there. <laughs> I could tell <laughs> I could tell that uh the back of horse, the very back of horse is blown out. Yep. Or the you hey, I'm gonna go spend a ton of time trying to get the back of Duck Creek. 
but it's real stained up. And I thought maybe it'd be yep, a little bit the very back of duck is stained up, but it looks to me like catch him back there. That looks like good wart water. Yep. Because there's a little bit of color and then it, it's just. Well, I remember one there, Matt. to me, like the back of honey, the back of yep. honey, a lot of color back there, but that might be good. Good spinnerbait stuff. Yeah, well, and it depends on what you want to do. So, like, if you want the clear water, you want the dirty water. Like, in the spring, there's guys that maybe say, hey, I want to find those pockets that have clear water, clearer right. water in the dirty water. Or vice versa. I want to find the pockets that have dirty water in the clear water. And you never know that until you run into the back. And sometimes you have to idle a lot of right. these. And you have to, like, that For takes a tournament so guy, this is the first. I, I'm not. I hope I don't tick you off here. This is the first revolution in apps that is a Bassmaster open angler, I right now is valuable to me. It's not, hey, here's where to look. Here's some suggested. This right here, when I get on a lake that has this, instant value to me. I 100% agree. That's why we developed it. And there's there's more stuff coming with this, which is I know, awesome. I, and, and, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I want to talk yeah. with you about the stuff that yeah. I know is out because I know you're big on, yeah. you have to keep this stuff under wraps because you're the first to the first to the game with it. Yeah, and it's, but I it, mean, dude, this is, is insane. Like, I'm dead serious. Well, and the thing that is so right now with the the deep dive app, we basically give we've used data that we've collected from professional bass fishing tournaments to recommend the best baits, cover, structure, stuff like that, and that is very valuable at a high level. But the number one feedback we got from users is they want to figure out where to fish, where to start yeah. fishing, where to even start looking. So. The first step in my mind for that was we need water clarity because water clarity is a foundational piece for determining where to fish. Yep. I could say go fish the Elk River because guys call him the Elk River. But I mean, Edwin Evers called him in the Elk River when he had 32 pounds because it was gin clear back there. Yep. Now it's blown out. It's completely different. So what we tried to do is we tried to, well, we did find a way to get water clarity. Now what we're going to do, and this is coming out here at the end of this month, just to give you guys a sneak peek. We are now breaking all these lakes up into sections. And we're going to be able to use the tournament data we have to say, hey, 78% of the top 10 finishes in professional level tournaments on lakes with the exact characteristics as Grand Lake were caught in the back half of creeks on the lower end of the lake in stained water. So now we're going to be able to say, here are the exact patterns that guys use. They were catching their fish with a spinnerbait on rock transitions, channel swing banks in the back half of the creek, on the lower end of the lake, with stained water. And we can pull up that little zone and say, this is the deal in yeah. these exact conditions. And that's what we're going to be going out with okay. in this month. Real quick, a lot of people from all over. You're a Arkansas, Oklahoma yeah. guy. This is just for these five lakes. This is like a little test deal that you started right now. This is not like, yes, it does not work anywhere else right now. This, But Correct. there's nowhere else you could have it. So it's cool if you're in that area. Like for yeah. me, like yeah. I'm, it works, right? Yeah. But if you're not, you're not, but that's coming down the road Correct. for major lakes. And, and dude, like this is not like a deal where you can just like click a button and it's every lake across the country. You're going to have to individually go through and select which lake. So if you have a small thousand acre watershed lake in Ohio or something, probably not going to have this feature. But if you fish Gunnersville, Sam Rayburn, yep. Grand, Lake Havasu, uh, Champlain, any of those major fisheries that's where it will be coming as it expands and i'll say this the more people that are in that area 
and that are utilizing it gives you more license and more reason to expand and work on it. Because like I said, I don't know. I mean, you have to, you have to be hundreds of thousands of dollars in on this app, Johnny. Like there's no other way that you're not. Yeah. And we have a great team that's working with me. that actually, uh, you know, partners with me, they're developers, which helps a lot there. Um, so this is not an outsourced project that I just found somebody overseas to work with this. It's not you. This is, yeah, this is big league. (laughs) Yeah. This is, uh, these guys I'm working with are, are, are amazing developers. And basically what we're doing with this is we're trying to, we're going to start basically expanding this out. We're in the process of expanding it right now. Uh, and we're going to go to all of the major tournament lakes. So actually, Matt, we're going to have all the Bassmaster Open tournament lakes with this on it. So you can use this for the Bassmaster Opens. Um, for the EQs, you're yeah. going to have this water clarity. We're going to try to get it to we're, – we're looking at lakes based on how many pro users we have, usage, all that stuff. But also – You're going to create a conversation. So I, I have to check to make sure that it's considered you know, legal information. Like, cause this is, this is something, listen, I have had this conversation with a, a tournament director and he's like, dude, this is something that we would never have had to worry about. He's like, but now it's, you're, it's, it's like the A-rig of apps yeah. now. Yeah. And well, it's especially cause now you're not just, when we get to the next part, the next step, yeah. we're going to have patterns and it's not just like throw a spinner bait because it's windy or whatever. It's like, no, that stuff exists too. Yeah. If you want that. Yeah. But it's like, okay on this exact lake but using mine data from all this stuff with all these and we're taking weather conditions everything into account all these things like this is what should be happening so it's we're using data analytics to determine this and you're using an underlying factor of breaking down lakes in the section water clarity to determine that so but when so when you get the app which btl sponsor thank you very much but when you get the app this is what i like to do on btl you are the person behind what is on the app it's not a robot or anything like what is on the app is you johnny schultz saying this is valuable this is the team that i've assembled to get this information and when you click on it it's not random bs it's you right now that people are looking at or listening to correct it's not i'm not putting out anything out there that is going to be misconstrued just just this is not a cash grab for me in the sense that like i want to put information out there is actually valuable and that's why i make my youtube videos that's why i teach it's yeah. to put out valuable information it's not to just you got to make money at it too though well yeah i mean it's valuable it's a, it's a it, skill it is. it is and that's well that's the thing that's why people you know some people are who define the app that aren't you know aren't familiar with me or what i'm doing they're like oh it's ten dollars a month for the app or mm-hmm. it's eighty dollars for a year that's super expensive for the app well the way i think about it is one $9 a month is less than the cost of most crankbaits. So can you buy one less crankbait every single month and get detailed information about what past tournament fishermen have done on your lake, all of the top baits, areas, structure, cover, getting that data. Plus, once we have the water clarity on more lakes, you're going to have this water clarity. You're going to catch more fish with that information than having one more sartreuse blueback instead of a sartreuse blackback version of your favorite square bill. Just throw the sartreuse crank, but you already have in your box, but yeah. use the areas and the techniques and all the information in the app. And the app also has, you know, we have water levels, we have current flow information, we have weather and all the stuff is still linked in there. So it's, there's a lot of great information in the app at this moment. We're just making it better and we're visualizing it differently and, and improving that. Listen, do I think that a fishing app is going to make you an awesome fisherman? Hell no. The yeah. only thing to do that is time on the water, experience, intuition, gut instinct, uh, hard work, 
and dedication. What it what I think it can do though is especially if you're one of those guys who who works your ass off all week and you only get a day or two to fish, it can help put you in the right area quicker. Yes. You still got to catch them. You still got to do everything. It's just like the forward facing sonar. It's another tool. Are there guys that I think it'd be way more valuable for than me? Yeah. Because I think my, I might start at a higher base level when I get on a water with, with what you would say are, are, uh, just known situations. Right. Yeah, but exactly. it, I think it works differently for everyone else. I just wanted to say that, like I said, yeah. I've turned down three or four different apps, a bunch of other stuff for the show. Uh, and you know, the fact that I've known you since I sent you that photo since I've, yeah. since you were like eight years old had something yeah. to do with it. But, uh, also there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff behind it. If you have any questions, you can slide into my DMS at Matt Pangrek on Instagram, message me. Uh, and then I'm sure you can hit Johnny up at fish the moment as well too. Yeah, and the thing with the app, guys, the, the goal with this is, there's again, there's not a lot of great fishing apps out there. And I fish for, I, I'm a very serious fisherman, and I'm not a fisherman. Like, there's apps out there that are, you know, here's a location where some guy caught some fish some point in time, tried to go fish that area. But, like, that doesn't take any of the environmental factors into account. All the, the guys who are on this, the stream know how complicated bass fishing is. And my goal every single mm -hmm. time I go to the lake to film is I'm trying to catch fish as fast as physically possible. I don't want to be on the lake for eight to 10 hours grinding and not catching anything. I want to be able to get out, narrow down the lake as fast as possible. And that's why I use my electronics to do it. But now we have the app as well. Like literally, Matt, I went to Beaver. I've never caught a 15 pound bag of bass on Beaver in 45 minutes before without any practice. I literally rolled into the back of this one creek on Beaver because I saw on the app there was water runoff grafted around in there, saw the fish around the brush piles and the bait through the Miki rig had 15 pound limit in for yep. five fish in literally 45 minutes. And I wouldn't have done that without knowing what the water clarity was in the app. And then also using the electronics, using technology. So technology can make fishing so much more approachable and so much easier if you embrace it. Now there's conversations of whether that's the best thing in the world. And I'm not yeah. going to get into all that. No, no, I but, hear that. I mean, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's very reasonable. I mean, here you got people, you got guys saying that they pay 13 a month for iRacing. Here's a dude on here saying he pays $130 a month for Bumble. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, all right. Speaking of ads, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up with, uh, with Johnny Schultz, kind of talk about what you have, uh, coming up and how people can, uh, could say into you we have a lot of overlap i think there's a lot of people yeah. that watch fish the moment that also listen to btl but every time uh you're on i get a lot of people who are from fish the moment who don't know about btl and i think kind of vice versa yeah so all right it is it's monday monday february 13th we'll be back right after this with johnny schultz the great thing about the new sensation soft plastic from big bite baits heavily scented Super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm and the Ramtail Craw. Great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat. So you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got 
copper shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got sparkle shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you wanna give them a little different look, that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is gonna handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatandRV.com, Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. All right. Welcome back. BTL wrapping things up. Final segment of the show with Johnny Schultz from Fish the Moment. Uh, what else you got going there? People want to follow you, continue on this. Uh, I feel like we always have very fairly educational shows when you're on, but if they want more uh, Fish the Moment, Bass Fishing Declassified? Bass Fishing Declassified, yeah. Bass Fishing Declassified, that type of stuff, where, we, where they go look at. Yeah, the easiest place to find me for content that I put out is on the Fish the Moment YouTube channel. You can just type in Fish the Moment. I'm ramping up content here for the spring. I haven't been making as many videos recently because of all the water clarity stuff for Deep Dive. But now we're actually needing to market all of that because we're getting it out. So I'm going to be doing a <laughs> yeah. lot more um, videos. And I have this new format where I'm basically breaking down lakes with my electronics. The entire process, I show you from start to finish 
every single time exactly what I'm looking for on my graphs. And I try right. to make it entertaining as well. So it's not just some, you know, stare at a screen and watch Johnny drive around the middle of the lake, but that's awesome. <laughs> uh, then we have uh, another channel that I'm not as, uh, I don't appear on there as often, but it's bass fishing declassified. And we have a group of anglers and it's a pretty cool concept. So we have um, Jimmy Easterling who actually came on as a video editor for Fish to Moment and now as a content creator. And then we also have Matt Steffen. We have Miles Berghoff, Randy Blockett, and Kyle Cortiana. So we have a really diverse group of anglers. And basically, they give tips on specific techniques, baits, areas to fish, things like that across the entire country. So you have guys from up north, Florida, the TVA, Texas, uh, the Ozark region. So we covered the entire country, basically. And you get tips that are region specific, which is really interesting because when you watch one YouTube channel, like if you watch my YouTube channel talking about the Demiki rig, I'm going to be talking right. about how, how to use it for the Ozarks, but that's maybe not as relevant for the Great Lakes or for Florida or whatever. So on that channel, you get a really good understanding of the entire country and how to use techniques that's bass fishing declassified on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, those are the two places that you can kind of find content from us from uh, an education perspective. Yep. And then check out the deep dive app. There's a couple of different yep. levels, right? Can you do like a basic and then you can do like a. So yeah, there's a free version, which basically just gives you a couple of strategies to, to give uh, yourself yep. a chance to find the fish. And then there's the pro version, which is the paid version, which is where you can find the water clarity for those five lakes. And those five lakes, just so you guys know, are Grand Lake in Oklahoma, Beaver Lake in Arkansas, Bull Shoals Lake in Arkansas, Table Rock in Missouri. And then we also have uh, Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. So those are our five lakes. We'll be expanding that very soon. And if you guys want to know which lakes we're coming out with when, just follow the Fish the Moment YouTube channel. And I'll be giving updates on that in every video every time we add new lakes. Good stuff. All right, like I said, if you are a BTL listener viewer, whatever the next show is, um, it could be tomorrow morning, could be later today. I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, but there might be some breaking news coming down the uh, the pipeline. So turn your notification, your bells on. And in the meantime, head over to uh, head over to Major League Fishing and watch the BPT slug it out in oh, yeah. Florida. Oh, Johnny, Matt, I have a question yeah. for you. Actually, uh, do you have more, right. do you have a few more minutes or no? Or, or yeah, you, no, you I got all the I got all the time in the world. What do you want to talk okay. about? Well, I have a question for you because we talked about this. This is a follow up from the the Holman podcast. Okay, uh, so you're fishing the EQ. Yeah. You want to make the elites. Yeah. So we talked about in the last one that uh, you, you, you've you been close qualifying through the opens. Uh, in your strategy, you use the hub and spoke. You go more conservative. Are you going finesse. money ball here? I'm just, I'm just wondering, have you thought about a change in your approach to tournaments, maybe implementing more electronics, maybe not swinging for the fences more, but maybe trying to change how you approach the tournaments, knowing that this is a good chance for you to make it. But there's also a lot of sticks that are going to be in there. There's a lot of high level competition coming in. So you got to catch them every tournament. Are you changing up your strategy at all based on reviewing the last few years? Yeah, I'm staying more true to myself this year than I did last year. Uh, okay. Based on strategy, because if you look at like an individual tournament, like I don't, if you look at an individual tournament and I, I said this on uh like on, on Sam Rayburn, when the water was in the bushes, I remember, I vividly remember saying, well, I'm not going to beat the Jason Bonds and the guys offshore on Sam Rayburn. It's just not going to happen. They're they're way better than I am. 
But let's go back to that conversation we had earlier today. If I can put my bait in high percentage areas, that's what I'm trying to do. So if I can flip 100 willows and catch 50 fish, I like my odds that one of those fish, just based on the size on Rayburn, is going to be a five, six, seven pounder. So I might be able to keep up with the guy offshore if I can find something that suits my strength that I can catch fish on, right? So what I'm trying to do in every single one of these events is there's going to be 40 guys that are better quote better on paper that understand it well not at ufala or a couple others but in in the grand scheme of things in my mind so what i have to do is take a a a analytical approach to that and take what makes the most sense to give me the highest percent chance to finish inside the top 40 which is a combination of my strengths of a population of fish high hook to land ratio, that whole thing. Like we've had long talks and I almost got into it today. We could almost have you back on as to, I could, I've spit spitballed the idea around of money balling the entire year, taking the data that you've been working on, taking uh, my strengths and my spoke hub and BMR squared theories, melding it together and saying, Hey, you fish against Bobby lane one out of 20 times or 20 times. And he's going to beat you more often than not. But where I might be able to compete with a Bobby Laner and Ish Monroe is by having a foolproof game plan that I do not deviate from. And whereas they might be up and down, big fish Bobby Lane, big fish Ish, where they might have 180th and then a top 10 and then a 50th and then a 30th, I could moneyball them by removing the risk that they're willing to take. And by taking that risk out, it's a tortoise versus the hare deal. Yeah, a couple of things I was thinking that I, I do a lot of analytics for myself personally. You can probably tell from the deep dive app that I like numbers. But one thing I've been kicking around more is um, I've been trying to simplify my tackle and I've been mm-hmm. taking out stuff out of my boat. Every single time I go out to my boat, I take out something. And I just I haven't caught fish on that in years. And you always think I maybe that guy is catching them on that bait. But yeah. in the tournament, are you going to have the confidence to stick with that and feel like you're going to do that? And I feel like you, Matt, you're a, you're, you love finesse fishing. You also, you're, you know, pretty handy with a flipping stick with the, um, uh, the, I can't, BFE, BFE, BFE. So there's some baits that you're really confident in. And for the tournament trail, I feel like personally, uh, having that confidence and knowing what you're doing is more important a lot of times. And another thing that I've actually thought about, and I've listened to a bunch of, Todd Castledine videos. He has great content out there from the tournament yeah. trail. I think that one of the best ways to go out and catch fish overall is to practice by fine. This is something I, this is some, I have some theories on this, but a couple of theories I had was one practice by looking where all the other anglers are not fishing. What are guys not doing? And sometimes that can lead you to areas where maybe there's a little bit less fishing pressure, kind of like he did on this uh, Toyota series where he was fishing these shallow boat docks and there were nobody fishing these boat docks. And he practiced in areas that nobody else was around, even though that wasn't the thing to do, the grass Mm -hmm. flats and everything were supposed to be the thing. So he's finding areas that are maybe a little bit underutilized, but you could then say, okay, where are my BMR squared areas that are getting less utilized? So you kind of combine that in there. Are Mm -hmm. there areas in that that just aren't getting pressure? And then also during the tournament, could you find fish in those same areas by going and fishing them without practicing really in them, graphing, using live scope and finding those areas during the tournament? Because guys might be in there and practice and hammering on and not catching them. There's there's some ideas. This this exists, Johnny. And and I've listened. Mercer's had a couple guests on and one of them, he said, well, my he, he said a quote. 
this guy said a quote. He said, I know my system still works. Mm. And he said it in reference to his practicing for tournaments. And that, that I think is a really, really, really important line. I know my system still works because that means that as he goes across the country, and I'm sure it might be tweaked for natural title, man-made or whatever, but he has a system. He has a game plan going in that he is implementing the same thing that has worked and won millions of dollars across the country on different fisheries. All we're talking about here when you said, have you thought about it, is saying, do you know what your system is going to be for these opens? Correct. Yes. I mean, you know, think about how hard it is as, a, as an angler. If you're listening to the show, if you're watching it, you get your boat on the water, and the biggest thing is, 100,000 acres, 75,000 acres. Where do you put in? Where do you start? Where do you do all this? You have the apps and the YouTube videos and the pros and where they're supposed to be and all sorts of stuff. Think about how easy that is if you had a system where you, it didn't matter where you were going. You could blanket it with this system. You could apply it and you knew it was going to work. Your confidence level is going to go up. Your efficiency is going to go up. Your everything is going to be improved when it comes with a system. So all this stuff that we're talking about is basically just a, an effective system that you're tweaking for your personality and your strengths. Yeah. And my, like my system, Matt, when I'd go out is I go to a Creek, I graph, I wait till I see three to five pound bass on down imaging, side imaging, 2d sonar. I know that there's big fish there. I then figure out what is the forage that they're feeding on. If I don't see shad, if I don't see bluegill, I see five pound bass around there. So they're probably feeding on crawfish or sculpin or something in my area or tilapia or whatever it is, but find bluegill beds, find whatever it is. I will then know that there's big fish there and I'm going to figure out how to get them to bite. It doesn't matter. And day to day, if I go back to the same lake twice, you're usually not going to catch them in the same way. So I will regraph the exact same area because one day they're in the brush. Another day they're suspended. The next day they're up against the bank. Fish move a lot more than we think they do day to day. And I graph every single day understand the scenario, get all the information I can, then make my decisions off of that. As opposed to, hey, I called them in brush piles yesterday. I'm going to now start by throwing in this brush pile. No, I'm going to graph around first because maybe they're suspended or maybe they're yeah. on the bottom 30 feet away from the brush piles, roaming on the that's bottom, you know, that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's good but stuff. We need to get a system for you, Matt. We need to, we need to know, you have to have it written down like index cards or something and uh, get that system down. Yeah, I mean, part, I think part of the system also has to be it has to be a fluid system too, because there are going to be those. This is where you run into it. Do you stick with the system a hundred percent of the time or do you stick with the system until you realize that there is an outlier that has entered and now that system has to change, right? So well, think about Sukup. Sukup is crushing it. His right. system is I'm going to go find them offshore. And like he told me this for the Florida tournaments, I'm going to go find them offshore and I'm going to figure out the offshore. That's why I'm going to do all practice. If I can't catch them offshore, I know I'm good enough just going down the bank. If I can't catch them offshore, I'm just going to go find some sort of shallow water thing that works for me. And I'm just going to go run it in the tournament, whether that's flipping grass, whether that's throwing a top water. But he's like, I'm going to spend my entire practice offshore regardless, because that's my skill. I know I'd use the live scope yeah. for facing sonar. And then I'm just going to in the tournament. It doesn't matter if I catch them going down the bank in the tournament. It's going to probably change anyways. So now I'm just going to go to the lake. I'm just going to pick up three confidence baits and I'm just going to go run. I'm just going to go fish. But it's having that confidence in your own skill that you can go do that and not have fish found and still go catch them. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the thing. That's something about Christy and all these guys are really good. They do that. They just are like, hey, 
I know I can just go catch him. Even if I have to throw everything out the window, I can just go do it. I agree. And I think it's interesting. So it took Brad three years to make it. And I never once heard anyone be like, Brad, quit power fishing and going for the win. But if you look at the standings and how it's been, I've been really close the last three years, but everyone's saying, hey, put down the finesse and pick up the power fishing. I think you can make it both ways. You can. I really do. 100%. Matt, you have a great system and you have had success in the opens enough times that you know if you can just, you can, you can get those consistently get those finishes. Execution is what it comes down to execution. Um, And, And I think a lot of execution you don't realize starts like now. Like I have, yeah. I have f- 14 days. Like it's getting my stuff ready now. So when I hit it at Ufala and I go into every single tournament with a game plan and knowing that if I execute, if I don't execute it, I mean that it's come down to the last three years. It's just, I've screwed it up. I mean, that's yeah. honestly what it's been. There's only been a couple out of the last ones where I just wasn't, didn't get bit. Every time I hear you talk, Matt, too, it's a consistent. I mean, you catch him. Uh, the best tournament was that Red River tournament where you caught him on the drop shot on the main river, and you're like, "Man, they're gonna buy the drop shot." And you went out there and you just you just did it, and you went fish by the ramp and caught him. And like that's that's your style. That's what you're. That's what you know to do. That was your confidence. Yeah. And like if you stick to that, I mean, that, I, I don't. I, I know you can make it. You're gonna make it. I think you just gotta find that that right formula the right system like you're saying and you got it you have all the pieces there so i'm excited to watch you this year trying to trying to make it man thank you uh a lot of comments thank you for giving up the juice today it's a heck of a show uh always enjoy having you on check johnny out fish the moment it is the deep dive app available on the uh app store can you also do it on the computer if you're like not an app guy Uh, so no it's just on it's on the app just on the the google play store so All for right. Android, it's on Google Play Store, iPhone, Apple apps, or Deep Dive. All right, the Deep Dive app. Yeah, deep thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks, everyone who's watching. Appreciate it, and uh, hopefully you can do this again soon. Yeah, same here. I'm just going to keep you on as we, as we send out for the show. So uh, this perfect. has been another edition of BTL for Monday, February 13th with Johnny Schultz. Also, big shout-out to Joe Opager for jumping on in the first part of the show, talking about kicking off the 2023 BPT season down in Florida. Tomorrow, most likely a breaking news show. Uh, if not, probably should figure out what the show is for tomorrow because the 15th is Todd Klein. Talking about professional surfing, his Toyota Series win on Lake Havasu and fishing with extremely light line and the cool spins underspin. All right, everybody, this has been BTL. We'll talk to everyone tomorrow. See ya.